What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley, and you are listening to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast, where we share with you the underground ninja skills and tactics that the top sales and marketing leaders are using to create financial and lifestyle freedom. And the question that everybody is asking is, how do I create financial and lifestyle freedom for me? That is the question, and this show is the answer. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast. In this episode, I am going to take a clip from the Enterprise Sales Summit where I interviewed Amy Volas. Amy Volas is an awesome lady, gave some great, amazing insights on the future of enterprise sales from her perspective and where this is going, who you need to be, what you need to become, and the whole process of sales leadership to sales executives. It was an awesome, awesome talk that a lot of folks did not get to hear. So I wanted to share it and have a special episode just for this. So happy to have you on and check it out. Welcome, everybody. This is Ryan Staley. We're back with the Enterprise Sales Summit. Very special guest, Amy Bullis. Welcome, Amy. Excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here, Ryan. That's what a lot of people are saying. So there must be a lot of excitement about being here. Amy is a, <laughs> what were you saying? I'm just going to say something smart ass, so I'll leave that to myself. <laughs> I like, no, I'd like you to put that in there. Give, 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 include some smart assity as we go throughout, because as you know, salespeople are very big smart asses all around. So, you know, <laughs> Amy is the founder of Avenue Talent Partners that helps startups basically create, uh, or I should say, hire sales leaders and create enterprise sales teams. And so really excited to talk to you today, just kind of about the future, the 2.0 of, of what needs to happen as a enterprise sales executive, as an enterprise sales leader, and how to evolve. So let's talk about that right now. I, I know you got your finger on the pulse of this and you're deep in this all the time. So what would you say is the biggest adjustment or the world of enterprise sales right now for sales leadership and for the sales executives? Um. I think it's getting back to the basics, right? So it's not that it's even that big of an adjustment, but what we um, came out of in the marketplace, it was really cluttered. It was booming. I mean, it's still, it's, it's bouncing back in a major way. Um, but I think what people have lost sight of that this is really coming back full force is that we're dealing with people and technology is here to help us. It's here to help create efficiency but I think our buyers are more demanding than they've ever been and putting them in a bunch of automation or over utilizing uh, tools or um, not celebrating the power of discovery and seeking to understand that's going to really hurt an enterprise seller, especially now that people aren't traveling. So I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people and they're like, I don't know what to do because I just took people out to dinner. And it's like, if that's what you were relying on to be successful, you need to go back to sales 101 because it's not just that, right? Like relationships are important. Those are lovely elements of um, getting to know people on a different, deeper level, but that is not the be all and end all. So that's one thing. The other thing from a leadership perspective is the same thing. Seek to understand your customers. You know, so many times um, I had heard through the years and it really troubled me 
growth, 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 growth at all costs. Um, how many new logos are we getting? Hunting, all of the things. And there was very little regard for, well, what happens after the deal is done and how are you taking care of your customers? And so now this big thing about retention is, is coming up. And there was an email that was sent to me that said, retention is the new growth. And it appalled me because quite frankly, retention's always been really important. It's not going anywhere. So the new things aren't so, aren't so new. There's that whole adage of what's old is new. And that's certainly appropriate for what we're talking about today. Kind of like how uh, Cobra Kai is like one of the, uh, the biggest shows on uh, Netflix, right? Have you watched it? I'm afraid. I've watched it. I've, I've gotten sucked in and my wife is like, are we going to watch the nerd show, Ryan, again? You know, are we, are we going to get into this? And, and now she's like, well, th- this isn't bad. It, like she's coming around and I wasn't a big karate kid person, but there is that whole, like what you're saying, it's so true is the nostalgia factor of like going back to what you used before that was interesting. So Daniel Russo for the win. There you go. I've got to watch it. I was, I, I admit I had a childhood crush on Daniel Russo back in the day. So. Really? I didn't know that. Did you have the Ralph Macchio poster up in the room with the Teen Beat magazine or was it, was that I, you? I, he was up on the wall. George Michael was up on the wall. Corey Haim and Corey Feldman were up on the wall. Like I had a whole wall. So yeah. That's hilarious. I remember the Corys never were in everything. The Corys were in everything. And people that are watching this right now are probably like, Ryan, what the hell are you doing? Why are we getting into this? Wasting <laughs> knowledge power. So we'll get back on track, Amy. Does it sound good? Bring it um, back. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that more offline because there's some funny things in there. Um, so anyways, I hear what you're saying and about how it's kind of evolving or going back. So what would you say, like, and obviously you advise founders on building their enterprise sales organization, hiring those leaders. What would you say are like the key criteria that they look for now um, with, with what's going on and trying to ramp that up? And you say it's bouncing it back in a big way. So I'd love you to include that as well. Yeah. So it, it goes back to the things of, um, especially for founders and founders that aren't necessarily sales minded, it's easy for them to get caught up in the wrong thing. So like in big statements that somebody will make where they'll say, I've exceeded quota for the last five quarters. I've gone to president's club. I've done this. I've done that. And while that's impressive, um, I really encourage people to dig deeper to understand what that actually means, the application of how to get there Um, And the work that was required to to do that, because that's the problem that I I think we've suffered from before and now and after people get caught up in the shiny objects. It's it's like a syndrome. It's a problem where um, I want to hear the fact that somebody has been really successful. They look really good on paper we're vibing. I want them to be my hire, right? Like I'm really excited about them. They, they seem like they work really hard. And so when people tell me, I want somebody that has grit, I want somebody that's going to work hard. I want somebody that has natural curiosity. I'm like, do you know how to see that? Do you know how to look for that? Do you know what that looks like in an interview? And it's not just this behavioral question about tell me about a time when you did this, this, and this half the time, the things that make somebody great are the things that they do within the process. It's more about what they're showing me and less about what they're telling me. And if you're making a big statement at the surface level, uh, 
I, I encourage people to think well below the surface, right? So if you tell me at the surface level, um, I have been to President's Club six times. Some people automatically think, well, then you're a top performer. You're a killer. I've got to get you. Well, let's say I'm looking for a hunter and that person just inherited a bunch of business and they've just been farming. Those two things don't go together. So I find that we treat things one dimensionally, like it's a, it's a one size fits all approach when there, there are multi, um, it's a multifaceted thing. There are many dimensions. There's lots of different ways to think about somebody that's in a sales role. And so that's really what I want people to think about. I also want founders to get right with themselves in terms of, is this really enterprise sales? I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people and they're like, yeah, so we're, we're enterprise. And I dig deeper. I'm like, well, what does that mean to you? And it's like, yeah, well, we have $40,000 deals. And I'm like, that's not, how long did that take you? 30 days. Why do you think that that's enterprise? Well, because we were really um, transactional before that. And it was like a three call close and our average deal size was $500. And so going from $500 to 40,000, that seems like a lot, but that's not an enterprise deal, right? And so I think that there's this whole thing about perception versus reality. And I saw somebody on LinkedIn, it was like um, inside enterprise sales rep. I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I don't understand that. That's not computing. And so I think that there's just a lot of confusion. And so my big thing for people is to understand your business and the market that you're in speaks louder than anybody else, than this podcast will, than anybody's advice will, than anybody on LinkedIn will, than any article that you read will. What are your customers telling you? What's the work that's actually involved? How long does it actually take? What does that look like? What's your total addressable market? And then map out to not just the work that needs to be done, but who are the right people that, that need to be doing that. Excellent. Lots to unpack there, though. Yeah, I don't know if it, I still have the Corys in my brain or whatever, but uh, a lot to unpack. So a lot of great components there. So let's start with the, the hiring piece real quick. And you mentioned that about the one dimensional and, and I could relate because I've went through, I've hired a lot of people and interviewed a lot of people in enterprise, in the enterprise space. And one of the things I can't tell you how many times, Amy, I mean, it was like a 90% hit rate where people would be like, yep. I was a president's club this many years. And if it was a big company, a lot of times they didn't even start. They were like one of the 30 people that worked that deal. And this is the question that none of them can answer. And I'm sure you've probably realized this or heard this, but walk me through exactly what you did every step of the way throughout that process from the start to the finish of that enterprise sales deal. And I can't tell you, speaking of like one dimensional, how many people couldn't explain how they got the biggest deal of their career vividly with color. One person even went to the level of saying like, oh, well, that was a while, a while ago, so I don't remember all the details, <laughs> you know? So, um, so would you say that that's a, a big path, path or thing that you look for is storytelling when it comes to that multiple dimension uh, that you kind of mentioned, talked about? It's not even... Story, I mean, storytelling is an art and a science in and of itself. And the very best sellers know how to tell an incredible story. That's authentic. That's dynamic. That's magnetic. And above and beyond all, it's truthful. That's, that's a real hard thing for people to do. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I obviously pay attention to that. That's, that's good stuff. But you mentioned something that I care about and my clients care about a whole heck of a lot. And that's the ability to be specific. Mm -hmm. So when I'm asking you, you tell me that you did a deal with Uber. I don't know why I'm thinking about Uber, but let's say you did a deal with Uber. Um, and I say, that's great. What did the deal look like? How much was it? And they're like, oh, it was like around 300K. And you're like, around? <laughs> that would be like me quoting my client. Like, I think you might pay around $30,000. And they're going to be like, no, you, what am I going to pay, right? Like, could you imagine going to uh, the store and you're like, I like those sunglasses. How much are they? They're around $200. <laughs> no, what is it, right? Like, what are we talking about? So I think people's inability to be specific is a real big problem. And in my world of trying to get to know people um, and what's important to them and what they want to be doing in their career and they can't do that, if you can't even talk about what's important to you and it's your life, that then starts paving the red flag road of, I don't think this person's probably going to be able to tell me how they did their job and the application of how. So then when it's like, okay, so you, you did this deal with Uber and it's around 300 K, how did you do it? And, it? and it's like, people don't know how to connect that for whatever the reason is. I'm not really sure why that happens all the time, um, but it happens and it's the number one reason why people don't go through is they can't get specific. They don't know what they did, where they did it, who they did it with, how they did it, what the outcomes were, what the lessons were that, that they learned and how that applies to me. And not that each one of those things needs to be a 10 minute diatribe, but if you don't have that nailed down and a couple of use cases or examples or stories for that, you know, I'm going to come away feeling like you did. And that's not really a good thing. Yeah, I think it's a great point on, on specificity. What, what about like values and beliefs? Is that something that you focus on when you're, you're advising people to, for hires? Is, is that an area that you target or personality test? Any of those areas that you go deep on? I think it depends, right? I think that can be a slippery slope, especially when we're talking about diversity. And that's a really hot topic right now. Mm -hmm. um, I find that so many companies hide behind culture, values, beliefs, um, and those are really big terms and statements that you paint on the wall when you walk through the door and it's like, we stand for this. And actually, uh, in practice, it's the opposite of that, that really happens. So while yes, I, I am not opposed to assessments, I use a scorecard methodology, there are lots of different things out there to think about. I think it's about what does that mean? And, and how is that important? Because if it's, we only want people that um, believe what we believe, mm -hmm. you're going to have a lot of people that are very much the same. And it's hard to think outside of that box. So I'm not saying uh, you need to go off the reservation and hire somebody that absolutely is the polar opposite to you. And it's negative. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying there's something about getting groups of people together that think about problems differently and how to solve them differently. That's when the magic happens. And in the workforce that we're in today, we have five different generations working together, how we all think about things and what we believe. So if you know uh, the Corys, 
you're not far off from my generation or you're in my generation of being generation X, how we were raised. And um, I'm talking about in the workforce and how we came up through the ranks is very, very different than let's say millennials doesn't mean that millennials are bad and we're good or vice versa. It means that we are different and what we might value in the way that we work might be very different. That doesn't mean that you don't hire me or I don't hire them. It just means that you have to understand why. So I think that matters. I think people need to stop and think deeply about why does this matter and how are we going to think about it as it relates to the hiring process. So for example, I do care about people that care about why Mm-hmm. The company exists. Why, if I were hiring somebody for ATP, I have a very firmly planted why, and anybody that works with me needs to care about the same things. How it displays is going to be very, very different, and I'm super okay with that. But the problems that we solve and why we're, why we're solving them, I need somebody to care about that. If they care about something else, like I just want to make money and um, at any cost, at any expense, and I don't really care about people probably not for me. So that's, that's what I think about. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's there's a lot, a lot of detail there. And, um, I, I think, you know, one of the things that, that you hit on was just talking about I mean, a lot of, a lot of different areas. So I guess where, where to go from here is, is like when you're talking about diversity and inclusion and all those different areas, not to go way down this path, However, I know on Thursday night sales, you have a wide range of different people that are involved and engaged. And, and I guess that's probably going to be great for you, I would imagine, just because of the community and, and everything that you've built. But how has that helped you? Um, and, and what do you see the benefits of that, whether it be on your side in terms of knowing the market or on the other side of people that, that are involved in participating? So Thursday night sales has been an absolute delightful surprise. I, I didn't expect it. I mean, Scott and Justin did the first one. Um, the next week, Justin wasn't able to do it. He had other competing priorities. And Scott, I had just done Scott's podcast. And we knew each other and we had conversations before that, but we didn't really, really know each other. Mm-hmm. And we vibed really well on his podcast. And he's like, hey, do you, you, know, you want to fill in for this week? I'm like, yeah, sure. And I was blown away. Like, I didn't know what to expect. And it has just gotten better and better and better. And the benefits are are priceless. And it's hard to just nail down a few. Um, I think for the community, right? So like, first and foremost, I am incredibly focused on leaving this community whenever I leave it better than when I came into it. And there is something about the sum of the parts mindset that's so not lost on me. And I care deeply about people coming together to get better together. And that is one of the absolute ways I would describe Thursday night sales. And so it's really, we have people, we started this in March um, and here we are in September. And every week there are hundreds of people that join us. And many of those people are the same people week over week, over week, over week. And there's something that I really like about um, when Drift really came on the scene and, and came on the scene hard, they, their tagline was um, meeting buyers where they are. And I don't know if that's still their tagline. It was, and, and I love it. And I use it all the time because it's true. And I think there's something about Thursday night sales that meets people where they are because 
You've got SDRs, you've got people coming straight out of school thinking about getting into sales. You've got product people, you've got founders, you've got sales leaders, you've got customer success, you've got entrepreneurs, you've got enterprise sellers, you've got inside sales. Out, I mean, you have like the gamut and it's everybody coming together to understand. And the beauty of it is you've got different points of views that are shared and it's not just what Scott and I say or how we answer questions. There's this whole situation happening in chat. People have gotten jobs from there. People have gotten um, together in terms of really productive relationships and partnerships, like so many wonderful things. So that's what I see from the outside looking in is, wow, people are really coming together. And it's really with this mindset of wanting to be helpful, wanting to be there, getting to know each other, what community really means, not just in the words, but in practice. And I'm really proud to be, to be part of that. This is going to be a shining moment of my career. On the flip side for me, um, it strengthened my relationship with Scott. Like just what a, like what a lovely, unexpected surprise and a true friendship. And um, he is a colleague and I respect and admire and just adore him. I was already close with Justin. That doesn't change. Uh, Justin stepped away because he is creating a different business and another business. And I totally respect that having done that twice myself. I'm like, you do you and, and we'll be cheering you on from the sidelines. The other piece to it is I have relationships um, that are priceless. They're friendships. They are business relationships at the same time. And it's brought joy to my life. The other thing is I am challenged every week to think about things differently. Scott and I don't always agree. Um, and when I think about the questions that are being asked and, and the comments that come through, or we take people off of mute and their open dialogue sort of conversations that happen, I might not fully come around completely, but there are so many instances where I'm like, huh, and it gets me thinking and it gets me thinking about a different perspective. And that's, none of us are done growing or learning. That's been incredible for me is just getting inspiration from other people or listening um, to what else is going on. Most times, so I'm a different kind of recruiter. I am, if you think about it, Trish Bertuzzi described me this way and I was like, yes, um, I am more of the listing agent than the buying agent. So I represent my clients, not the other way around. And so it's very rare for me to just be able to help anybody that comes my way. I'm very specific and we only work with a handful of clients at a time for very specific roles. So it's good to have that network. It's good to be there for the community, but I'm not looking at it from a recruiting perspective. I'm looking at it as sales is my first business love. I um, care about the community deeply and, and that's, that's that. So. Well, congratulations. That sounds awesome. So many, uh, I, I was expecting some kind of answer, but that was not the answer I was expecting, but it's, it's what, did think? what did you think it was going to be? Now I'm curious. What did you think it was? It was. Gonna... I didn't. I didn't totally know. That's that's part of the reason why. I, part of it, I like. I'm really curious, and that's one of the beautiful things about putting this event together and talking. There's so many different people that have amazing things that are things that they're amazing at that are so different and so many different personalities and like. I mean, your view perspective on community, I think, is amazing. You know, I love that, and I love how you're looking at it collectively and it just, it's cool. I like it. It's refreshing. Um, and I, it's, it's like, I didn't really know that's what it was or that's what it meant to you. So that, so that's why I say congrats and that's awesome. And 
I'd have to actually process what I thought it meant before, you know. So. Yeah, thank you. I too am curious. I'm like, well, what, what, what did you think it was going to be? I, it's, it's funny because perception isn't always reality, right? Like, right. what I think you might say could be the opposite of what you actually say. Um, and I'm always fascinated by what people really think. Like, I like feedback straight up unfiltered. So, you know, thanks for sharing with you. <laughs> well, I and I sat on it. I sat on one. I, I've been on a couple of them. Early on is is when I was uh, on it, and I thought they were great. You know, I, I like part of it with me is um, I have two little kids, and so that was interfering with bedtime. So it was one of those things where I was trying to do multiple things at once. So it was hard for me at that time frame, but I thought it was cool. And there's there's definitely people opening up, and that was one of the reasons why I asked Scott to be involved with this because of his feedback and his reaction to some people that were struggling with mental health at the beginning of this whole process. So, um, yeah. so anyways, uh, <laughs> we're in full circle. So shifting gears a little bit now, what would you say, Amy, and, and I think you have a very unique insight and approach to this, but looking at this, okay, so, and, and, and this is gonna be really insightful, right now in 2020 and beyond, you know, if you could design, and I don't know, three to five bullet points, which I know this is gonna be hard, the ideal VP of sales, CRO for a startup, um, also enterprise executive, what, what would that makeup look like? And you could hit skills, you could hit mental, whatever you want to cover. But what, what would you say for what the market's looking for and what you think the market really needs based on all your conversations? I would love to hear that. So an enterprise seller is going to be a little different than a sales leader. So I'll, I'll take the sales leader first. Um, first and foremost, it's got to be about the people. If you're not there for the people and to understand that you can't be successful without them. And I know lots of people throughout the term servant leadership and being a people leader and all of that. But if you don't really embody what those words mean, mm -hmm. I think you might want to think about a different career. I oftentimes see people get into sales leadership for all the wrong reasons. And a lot of it's ego driven um, or you're not really sure what the career path is and you were a successful seller and now what's next and you're just not ready for it. And it's a disaster. Not only is it a disaster for you, but now you're responsible for others and it's a disaster for them. And that comes with a lot of responsibility. So that's like a big one. And inside of that, there's lots of different things. Um, I think you need to be able to be a customer centric leader, right? So if you don't understand what's happening on the front line and you don't care about what's happening with your buyers and what they need and why they need it. And you're not experiencing that directly. I'm not sure how you can influence or manage expectations up and around the organization. If you don't know that, I also think cross-functional collaboration is key. So, so many times sales is like this, like stepchild in the corner um, that I've seen it firsthand. I've been part of that where it's like us versus them, or it's a necessary evil. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, it is an incredibly important part of the puzzle and it's revenue generating and you can't have a business if you don't have money coming in. So um, I, I, I'd love to be able to say like, Oh, well, it's, it's, you know, sales is always the victim that starts at the top as well. And I think sales leaders need to feel, um, very passionate about understanding the other bits and pieces that make up a business. So you need, you need to be able to play in the sandbox and strategize and collaborate with product folk, with 
executive leadership, with um, customer success, with accounting and finance, with like all of the different things, with marketing. There are so many silos that companies that are siloed, like it's a real shame. There are real big problems there. So those are what, three, three, four things. So there you go. Um, from a sales perspective, I think you need, there, oh gosh, there's so many things. I mean, I think from a sales perspective, it's like you can't take a backseat approach to your career. So you better be focused on, um, and Ryan, let me ask you, do you want me to answer it if I'm looking for a job as an enterprise seller or if I'm an employer, what to look at in an enterprise seller? I think you hit, I think you hit both. I mean, we got a little, we got a little time for you to hit both. So yeah, I mean, like, I think it's great from an employer's point of view, like an executive's point of view. And then also like, what do I want ideally um, for repacing with the market? And then as an executive, like, Hey, you know, you've got a good pulse on what people are looking for. So how do they need to construct themselves? And I don't mean construct in like an artificial manufacturing way, but how do they need to evolve? Right. A lot's changed. So how do they need to continue to evolve is, is kind of what I'm looking for. So um, let's take it from the back to the top. So from the back, let's talk about uh, if I'm an enterprise seller, what are some of the things that I need to think about? So this is your career and it doesn't matter what somebody tells you. It's about what's really happening. So I would care a whole lot and people should care a whole lot about product market fit. Do you understand it? Do you feel good about it? Is it something that you're going to be able to immerse yourself into understanding and want to know about the marketplace? Because the best, so Mark Cuban, for example, mm -hmm. is a voracious reader. Yep. And because of that, he can step into a room and have really productive conversations because he's really curious and he's well-read and he can put those dots together. That's one of the things that makes an incredibly talented enterprise seller talented is that they are curious that they do want to understand and not just understand to make a sale, but understand to be useful. And so buyers buy for one of three reasons. You help them solve a problem, you help them reach a goal, or you help them get better. And knowing that if I can't stand behind the product or the product falls flat or it's not really enterprise ready. I mean, how many times have you seen this in your career? I know I've seen it a bunch of mine where it's like, yeah, we're ready to go upstream. And then in enterprise, like if you're dealing with anybody that has compliance or government contracts or lots of different layers with customiz customizations, excuse me, that are required, and you're trying to be a one trick pony that you're just masquerading as enterprise sales, good luck. <laughs> like That's gonna be hard for you. Um, so I think it's our responsibility to make sure that that's there. So product market fit, you want to make sure that the territory is good, that you can really spread your wings and fly and that you have a true opportunity to be successful. So many times people get caught up in like, oh, well, their top seller is making 600K. Like for how long? When? Is it still happening? And what is the second rep doing? Right? Like, and how many other people? I lost you for like 30 seconds. So. Oh. I know. I'm sorry. So it was, um, we could edit this part out. I think it was, you were saying like you, what you have to think about, um, this is, you went through the, the goal, the problem, um, or get better as the reasons why people buy for you. 
then you started getting the next point and then it got frozen somehow. So, so we talked about product market fit, why that's important. The second point then is um, the territory, right? Like how often does that change get a real big pulse on what the other folks on the team are doing? And I'm not just talking about the top rep. So many times people are told the top rep makes 600 K in a year. Great. How long, how many quarters in a row? What does this look like? And by the way, what's happening with the rest of the team? So the next best performer, where are they? And how often does that change? What does that look like? And then I think it's really about, you know, for me as a rep, am I genuinely interested in what's going on? Can I genuinely connect with who the buyers are in the journey? Like if you took me and you dumped me into cybersecurity, for example, I think cybersecurity is really important. I don't have time for the dark web. I don't think anybody has time for the dark web. However, me selling that to a CISO, not really going to get me out of bed in the morning. And so I think people need to get really right about what's important to them. And all of us are different. And then it's about understanding that the best enterprise sellers realize you're never done learning. You don't have all the answers. And for those that are just like, well, I have my Rolodex. Well, if you want to get into a sales role uh, with a startup, things are going to change, right? And you might hire me for my Rolodex. But when things change or when that Rolodex doesn't translate because the timing of the buy isn't right, they're really happy with the incumbent. They like you, they'll go to dinner with you, but they're not ready to buy from you. What happens when you actually have to do the work? And so I think it's about understanding what is the work that you want to be doing because there are different kinds of things that happen in sales, much to my dismay. I came from the full cycle world and I'm really proud of that and I'm grateful for it. It made me a better seller, made me a better entrepreneur. But now with so many different bits and pieces, you can hunt, you can farm, you can be inside, you can be outside, you can be SMB, you can be mid-market, you can like da 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 What is it that you want to be doing? And if it's only one thing, and the only thing that you want to be doing is to be spoon-fed marketing leads, you might want to second guess a career in sales. So that's that. If I am an employer looking for an enterprise rep, I want somebody that can articulate to me why they care about sales, why they wake up every morning to do this job because it's tough, right? This isn't for the faint of heart. What about it turns them on? Why have they stayed in it? Why are they down for a 12 to 18 plus month sales cycle? That's resilient. That's hard to do. Um, I want to look for that specificity. I want somebody that understands what makes us tick. And I want to look for all the little tells, right? So show me, not just tell me. Did you take it seriously? Did you show up? Are you listening? Are you actively listening? Are you making note of what we're saying? Do you ask really good questions? Are you curious about what makes our business tick? How many times do you know somebody, you've interviewed a bunch of people, you get to the end and you're like, wow, we've covered a lot. And I want to make sure that we have enough time to cover the things that are important to you. What questions do you have? And they're like, none. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Why do you not have any questions when this is your career? And like, for me, one question leads to another that leads to another that leads to another that leads to another. If it's just like, hey, let's hurry up and just get to the piece of paper that's an offer, that's a red flag. Yeah. Well said. Well put. I, yeah, that's uh, the, the no questions at the end of the process is definitely a, a big red flag because it's 
And then the other thing that you, that you hit on that I thought was solid too is yeah, everybody's always going like to throw you if you're if you're getting higher, they're always going to connect you to the top rep because that's like the the most referenceable rep of anybody. But yeah, if everybody else is is um is fifty percent of quota for the last three years, then you I mean that's a red flag from a um a, you know looking at from a, a enterprise exec perspective. So I think it was great. So. So Amy, we're going to wrap up the, the main session now. So where can people find you? How, how can they connect with you? Where, they, where can they get more Amy Wallace? So they can get me every Thursday night, Thursday night sales. Uh, I like to live out loud. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. I think I'm the only Amy Bullis there. And then avenuetalentpartners.com. So thank you, Ryan. This was lovely. I appreciate it. Yeah, we had, we had the 80s throwback. We mixed that in there and, you know, got deep on Thursday night sales. So. So no, it was a lot of fun. And I, I think there's some awesome takeaways that you have. So we're going to wrap things up right now with Amy. And then we are going to go to the all access pass, which will go a little bit deeper on some things you won't want to miss out. So thank you, Amy. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources. So I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I wanna ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.